When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. What is collusion? The dictionary quotes it as a secret or illegal cooperation or conspiracy in order to deceive others. In Northern Ireland, far too many know its devastating reality. On November the 9th, 1997, 22-year-old Raymond McCord Jr. was lured to the grounds of a disused quarry on the outskirts of Belfast. There, members of the Ulster Volunteer Force brutally beat him to death. His injuries were so severe he could only be identified through his fingerprints. His murder sparked one of the most damning public inquiries into the workings of the UVF and the paramilitary gang's close workings with the RUC. Operation Ballast, headed by then police ombudsman Nilla Olong, revealed how paramilitary killers were protected from prosecution because they were police agents. The 2007 report also exposed UVF commander Mark Haddock as a high-ranking police informant who carried out several murders, beatings and gun attacks whilst being on the payroll of the security forces. It was estimated he'd been paid more than £80,000 for information whilst his unit conducted a reign of terror in North Belfast and Mid-Ulster. It was on Haddock's orders that Raymond McCord Jr. was murdered. Today, his father speaks to no edit about the son he lost and his family's battle to finally get justice for his killing. Campaigner Raymond McCord Sr. also reveals his own battles with paramilitaries and how UVF threat and his life remains active to this very day. Raymond, you're very welcome on today's podcast. Tell me a bit about growing up in North Belfast in the 1950s. You were born in 1950. That was before the Troubles. So what was life like then? Well... I was born there behind Gallagher's factory in York Street. It was a real working class community. Most of the people uh, worked in the mills, father and mother, the aunts and uncles, and uh, most of them were unskilled workers. The, the men was labourers. York Street was full of pubs. Every street corner seemed to be a pub in it, and around it, actually, eight pubs. But it was a real not just the wee bit that we lived in, but around York Street and the docks. It was a real community hub, as people would call it now. The simplest way would be people looked after each other. Growing up, like I was like a few years old when we moved there out school. It's class now, it's part of North Belfast. And growing up, uh, 
primary school and this here and going up in the estate, in your street. I don't recall sectarianism. The trouble started. Your your friends, you played football with your friends. The uh, the top of our street, Grove Street, across the road, it run on the North Queen Street, was a new Lodge Road. I can't remember anybody ever talking about trouble between them once in our street and once in the new Lodge Road because my mother worked in the mill and she used to talk, talk when I got older about the mill, what it was like and their friends and have an old photograph of her in the mill. They're working up our feet, so the heat and the water there, and uh, all her friends was there. And you see a smudge in their faces, and they were Protestant Catholic and religion, but more importantly, they were friends. It's as simple as that, you know. And my father, his friends, he's some dark teams. My father and his brothers all loved the darts. And his friends, uh, well, my mum told me one time, Jimmy Saunders from the New Lodge, and one of his sons became a well-known Republican. He followed in the Orange Order. He was in the Blacks, and he was in the, the Apprentice Boys. I can never remember when I was a kid them talking about religion, or their, their friend was Protestant, their friend was Catholic. They were just friends. Politicians exploited them. So when did you see it start to turn, Raymond, because you would have been a teenager when the, the, the troubles kicked off? Was it just before the violence broke out in the street? or No, it was after the troubles was, had been started in Belfast and uh, Shagland Falls there and Springfield there. There were streets, you know, I have friends that have uh, streets are off of Springfield and, and they hear them talking about Bombay Street and all this here. I couldn't have told you where Bombay Street was. It was only lately. I was going around past it and a couple of streets around that way, seeing friends. And uh, I've seen him. After all these years, it was only the last couple of months. But they were going away before it came to Rathcool. Rathcool uh, was a mixed estate. The majority was Protestant. But I don't ever recall anything religious in Rathcool. Going up the football team I played for. The star was with a Consider that uh, a Catholic football team or a Catholic club. For me, it was a football club. You know, I think anybody played in that team uh, while they were playing. There was no religious discrimination or mention. The guy that run the, run the club had a sign up in when the trouble started that uh, no uh, badges were being worn, uh, which reflect either on the Protestant side or the Catholic side. And that was good. It's years later, you think about it, then you didn't think much of it because none of us wore them. See, and he was doing his best to keep it away from the club. I look at the ones that played in the team. Terry Nickel, who went to school with me, Evan Rathcoon, Jordy Hussey from Rathcoon, Bobby Sons from Rathcoon, Tommy O'Neill from Rathcoon, Johnny Corbett from Rathcoon. Do you remember Bobby Sons? Yeah. What was he like? I remember somebody asked me that years ago. And I talked to him angry. I says, Bobby Sons was like everybody else in the team. He was part of the team as a footballer. He didn't have too far. A couple of streets for us around here. And people were trying to have say, say, about Bobby Sons' hunger striker. I didn't know Bobby Sons' hunger striker. I knew Bobby Sons' 16, 17-year-old who played the same team as, as me. It's as simple as that. No politics, no religion. We had the best junior side in Holy Ireland. And it was because we win it every competition. And again, it shows you what... Uh, now, what, what people would call cross-community team. It was a cross-community team. It was a football team. It's the politicians, academics, brought this 
stuff in cross community the term it was a team made up of young lads who was doing what they loved was play football then nobody exploited us no political people got involved with us it was just about sport and us doing somewhat which we enjoyed the uh, team broke up as the troubles really started come into Rothkill guys out of the team Protestant players were, were afraid to go down the club someone wanted uh to make a choice, or they felt as if they had a choice because of the troubles you had to go on one side or the other. I didn't feel that way. I, I continued to play at the start. Even eventually, when I left it, I drove down every show after going to the club to see them once. And it just felt as if you hadn't been away. So the religious side of it didn't interest me. In no effect. People, as I got older, and I was playing at the start, 18 and all, 19, they uh, would have made comments. People from my community, guys, we stay comments, but it... Uh, because you were playing alongside Catholics? Yeah. The comments, obviously, were religious comments, you know. They weren't Catholic. They were like, calling them playing for a Finian team, you know. That, that announces. Do you think were people made to fear each other, different religions back then, that the trust had completely gone and it was kind of instilled in people to, to fear, which led to hatred. People instilled fear in people. There's people took advantage of it for their own gains, have some uh, form of power within their own community. But our politicians didn't help to get rid of that fear. They encouraged it. Let's talk about power, Mildred's Raymond, because like you said, there, there were people who were instilling fear in communities. Was there an expectation for people in your community to join paramilitaries, most definitely support them, but join up as well. Yeah. Once in all, the thought, guys from my age sort of group, uh, thought it was like joining a big gang. People who uh, run the streets with, get involved with paramilitaries. They thought they were great guys. And what was your view of them back then? I didn't like them and they didn't like me. So have, had you always been against paramilitaries, Raymond? Yeah, yeah. Those people weren't going to turn me into something that I couldn't be and I didn't want to be. You know, the easy option would have been to join them, be one of the boys, you know, gangs and going around there with balaclavas on and uh, putting people out of their houses or think you've, uh, you control the estate. And the uh, the benefits that come with it, people were afraid of you. If people's going to be afraid of you, it has to be for more than a reason of being a paramilitary. You know, the... Uh, the decent people weren't afraid of you. It was the bully boys who were afraid of you. Did you have any brushes with paramilitaries back then? Many. Many. There were brushes, many a fight. And when we're talking about paramilitaries, would Rathcoe have had a mix of UDA, UVF, or was there just one group that was... There all sorts of paramilitaries on it. And the two organisations, I had many a fight with members from both the organisations. All short of it. I wasn't going to be bullied or... I wasn't going to let them tell me what I could do, what I'm supposed to do, I mean, because here, you know. And when it came to it, they were showing up as thugs because none of them could fight in the street with their fists. In Rathcool, you started a family. And tell me about your family. My family was, uh, my wife was Fabian, but Rathcool and my sons were uh, young Raymond, Gareth and Glenn, three sons. A tough area to bring up three boys when you're surrounded by those types of influences on them. It was an everyday thing for me and, and grew up through it all. So I didn't see it as a tough thing to do. I, my sons 
were great lads, turned into great men. I didn't have trouble with them, and Femi didn't have trouble with them. They were close to me, and they were, like me, they all loved football and sport. The youngest lad playing, he, he would have been a professional footballer, only for Raymond's winner. He was that good. He was over at Chelsea. He's a middle of different clubs as after him. All that. He, he was some footballer. It was with Raymond and Garrett, both good footballers. There was no trouble with them. They, uh, there was nobody coming at the house or out the door and complaining about the sums. Showed respect to people. You weren't having to go to school to, to see the teachers because they were doing something wrong in school. I look at that, uh, what they turned into. I, Gareth and Glenn, their own families. And I look at the way they, they treat their families and I'm proud of them. Stand off for themselves and start on. I'm, I'm going to run over to my dad here and get my dad. And permanently leave them alone. They got a lot more peace than I ever had. And I'm glad, you know, I went there and never wanted to go away around. They work. They don't depend on intimidating people or extorting people like the gangsters do within the unionist community. And like myself, they have no time for our politicians within unionism because they failed. My family and relating to not just young Raymond's murder, but many instances relating to paramilitaries. The police just didn't want to know. Police preferred that my son seen it, they arrest me on many occasions rather than the paramilitaries. Paramilitaries made complaints against myself, you know, and appeared in court several times in trial, not for hitting good people, but fake my paramilitaries. They picked on me and they came off second base. They went to the police and I stood trial twice, and each time. I was found not guilty. These were cases where uh, paramilitaries, uh, in one, one occasion, had uh, three of them, and several times, several times, had hit my, my sons. They were one individual, a bunch of them. So I went and seen the Emmons, and uh, I hurt them. They wanted to hit my sons. But I didn't go with baseball bats, or iron bars, or guns, or balaclavas. I went to wherever they were. I dished out the Emmons. They made it quite clear. Me, early on, I found we didn't want any trouble. My sons and all were taken but this is what happens when you go after somebody in the family. And was this after Raymond's murder? Oh, it's before. Again, sometimes after. So you were bringing up your boys and still throughout it all, there's the common denominator of paramilitaries and the threats and intimidation, even towards your sons, which must have been tough because you feel that you have to keep them safe as well as keep yourself safe. My priority was I wanted to make sure my family was safe. And to make sure your family was safe, you don't want it to, well, one of three things. They just took it. You moved away or you stood up them. This These people turn around and the, the do-gooders, the do turn around and say, you're as bad as the animal if you do that. Well, they're going to resort to mob rule because that's what it was, mob rule. It thugs. They didn't have to take what comes with it. But there's no paramilitary going to tell my family what to do. There's no paramilitaries. It's going to hit my sons and think they'll get away with it. What ages were your sons when they were being attacked? One uh, witness, terrible scene, uh, shooting at the house. He was 10 years of age. He was there. Other ones there were 16, 17, 18. It's strange. Raymond, when he joined the Air Force, and he came home from leave a few days before Christmas. They rung me. They said, Dad, will you pick me up? Just a couple of fellas out there. Had him a dignity the chin, and it says, uh, as fair that we uh, will get him next time with paramilitaries. So I picked them up, took them up to his mother's house, and then found out who they were. There was three guys, they were men, like, asked about and found out the house they were in. I went to the house, seen them, and uh, the three of them ended up hurt. There's no baseball bats, anything they see. The three of them got hurt, told them 
had to go near my sons. They had the police for me. And uh, one of them learned a lesson. Though he was a, a real tough guy. He was in one of our punishment squads. And he had an horse on. So I went to the house. and had two sons in the car. I just stay in the car. And I went to the door. Rather cool. He came out. I told him. And I looked back. And I'm half happy. Because people in the state. I went. I said, you had a certain son. I said, so I'm going to give you a an opportunity. I'm going to let you hit me. And he lifted his hand. Before he hit me, I hit him. It's easy to stand up the police. These these people, if somebody goes to the police, their house gets attacked, they get attacked, and their family members get attacked. And the people who go to the police, if a mob attacks them, three or four ones or sometimes wear baseball bats, if they do it, they have to withdraw their statements or else they get, get it worse. But it's unheard of. The paramilitaries were going to the police about me. People would say, well, you're as bad as them because you use violence and no one can condone violence. But you're saying that you felt going to the police was not an option. Why? Because, first and foremost, a lot of these people, the bosses were working for the police. It didn't make any difference why you made a statement against these people. Nothing was being done. They could do whatever they wanted. No matter what they wanted to do, and carry on in the estate. I, and the whole district was, well, it was North Belfast, South West Belfast, East. They could do what they wanted. Their communities lived in fear of them. Again, the police weren't there protecting the people who needed protecting. They were protecting the paramilitaries. And it continued to this day still to do it. Make no mistake about it. We'll see it. When do we ever hear of a senior paramilitary being charged with offences? Drugs is terrible. Which is, the, the police has made more statements enough over uh, East Belfast UVF. People are aware who the leadership is and the cronies that run about them, the monopies, right? Who uh, defend these people. And yet, the leadership gets arrested. My own personal belief is there's no leadership within unionism. There's no real leadership. And to be uh, so leadership, the people in the unionist community want the leaders, the so-called leaders of unionism, to speak out, name these people. Call them out for what they are. Gangsters, drug dealers, extortionists and murderers. Tell me about Raymond Jr. Raymond Jr. Good lad. He was 22 when he was murdered. A few weeks shy of his 23rd birthday. Growing up, no problems with him. Close to him. When me and his, his mum split up, separated, forcing all now, it didn't, didn't drive us apart in any way. He was always close to him. The same as the other two sons. There's no difference. He went to Hofield School, Balmerath School. He had always plenty of friends. And as he got older, he had always plenty of friends. <laughs> so he had. And it was amazing. One day, St. Patrick's Day, it was in a pub in Belfast. With a couple of mates. There was a couple of girls at the bar. And one of them, sitting on the stool, just turned around and spoke to me. And she said, just spoke, how you doing, Alan? And I didn't know her. Young girl. Nice looking girl. And she says, I was in your house. I lived in York Road at the time. I says, I were never in my house. No. And my mates looked at me. I got Billy snatching or something. I says, where were you in my house? And I says, I don't know. <laughs> Raymond had brought her to my house. It was a girlfriend. I know where she lived. Anderson's town. And uh, talked to me. And I was glad to say that in front of the guys. I thought it was chance of my arm or something. But on our occasion, I saw a girl come to me. This girl said something similar. And she was from East Belfast. Dundonald, so it was, you know. And uh, they all spoke well. I don't think there's too, too many parents would say, as you know, never heard my son curse in his life. Once, when he referred to what uh, paramilitaries said about me, don't, 
that's only time, but there was no way of complaining because he lived in a house where he grew up. I didn't help him in my house. He didn't use bad language. He didn't do it, use it in front of me. And I never seen him drink a beer in front of me. He would have come into the bar sometimes with one of our sons, called in to see me. And he usually was say, said, we'll go and see my dad in the afternoon because it's best time to get a few quid on. He's a few beers on. And they feel sorry for us. You know, like any kids. He would have come in and we'd drink orange or coke. You know, totally respectful. Unlike me, he didn't get in the fights. So a respectful young man who joined the Air Force. When did he join? What age? He was about 16. remember him getting sworn in. And uh, Benalda Grove. Must have been a proud day. Oh, it was great. Smashing the lot. What were the circumstances of Raymond's murder? I mean, was it something that had been building? Was there intimidation? Circumstances were that uh, Mark Haddock, the VF commander, proven special bronze agent, the uh, alone police officer report, which the British government accepted, the chief constable accepted, and the secretary of the state at the time, Peter Hayne, accepted. The whole unit were special bronze informants. The so-called loyalist UVAF killing squad from Mount Vernon were all protected by a special bronze. When Raymond came out of the Air Force, he got friendly with a, a guy, one of the most treacherous, hateful people ever walked on earth, Darren Judas Spear, Greg Orme, who has appeared in court numerous occasions, serious charges, and he always seemed to get the charges dropped. Even statements are made against him, he gets his charges dropped. Moore was a member of the EVF. Was Raymond a member of the EVF? Raymond, and people have asked me a lot of times, and they always get the truth, when Raymond was murdered, he was not a member of the EVF. He was not? He was not, and I'll tell you why, I know after his murder, I met the UVF leadership on the shangle. People told me not to go, so it was a trap. I went and seen them. There were three senior people sitting there, very senior ones. They're the leadership. I met them in this club. Gangsters on the door, their black coats, hands across the coat, guns. And I asked them a question when I went in. And us one man in particular, who was in charge of UVF Southeast Antrim, he's dead, and I, Rob Warnick, he worked for the police too. And this is my son, remember UVF? And Rob Warnick, the other two looked at him. He says, no. And then he says, he'd been a member for a short while. I says, a short, he says, a very short while, so what, it was weeks or what? I said, what happened? He says, uh, he was put out of it. I says, why? And uh, he says, he hadn't been schooled. That was his words. I didn't know he hadn't had me schooled. Because when it was brain dead, he couldn't school anybody. But anything. He was just a drunk. So the, uh, at the funeral, Warnick didn't come to it. It was UVF men came. They, they didn't come near me. People knew. We didn't know who had killed Raymond at that time. We thought it was UDI. And there was one of the senior people came over. They said, Raymond, you find out who it is. Or if we find out, we'll tell you. And uh, you deal away, you see fit. If you don't, we'll deal with it. I never spoke to that person ever again. You know, but they were wanting to know what I knew. Were the UVF trying to cover it up? I but then didn't see it. But what happened was Raymond, it came off a boat in Scotland, a car. We never got at the bottom of this even. And the police says they found drugs on cannabis and he was charged. Please come to my house that morning. It was a Saturday morning. And I, I, I live beside the police station in York Road. And it says, your son's been arrested. He's in court this morning. I, I couldn't believe it because he'd never been in trouble in his life. And uh, I went down to court and he was in the dock. And so I was in the sermon in custody. So the police let me see him. So I down down the cell or a room or something in the court. And he, I always remember his face. And I walked in. And he felt ashamed. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a case of some cocky young fella that's here. Put his head down. He looked at me. Couldn't look at me straight. Straight eyes. And tell me. And 
I says, I'll be coming up to see you a better talking. I'll come up to see him as Eel. And he got Beal also. And I heard a UVF one saying, saying that he was getting information to the police. And that's just, <laughs> the touts were complaining, trying to say somebody else was getting information to the police. But what happened was, and he didn't know this, I had a great friend at Doug Patrick, Nancy Gracie, belonged to a, a group called Fate, F-A-I-T, Families Against Intimidation Tower. Nancy was a real lady. And I was involved with her wee group. Remo was being threatened in prison. He wasn't any lawyer swing. So he belonged to UVF and he was doing drugs on him. It's here. He wasn't any lawyer swing. He was on a, a landing in the prison and he was being threatened by Republicans. And what had happened was one of the prison officers had told her that he's a Republican once belonged to a Republican organization that Raymond had been in the RAF. So they seen as as a target right now. And the threatened him in the prison. And again, it wasn't a fighter. And he told me. So the day he told me in the visit, there was a table that said it was a guy or and there was two or three guys visiting him all on the Republican organization. He says, that don't they go over. And no one's talking about him. That's the guy threatening him. And he says, don't be away, not be threatening no more. So I seen the, the, the guys outside the prison waited on him and they said to him, it's my son in there. One of the screws that said he was in the RAF. I said, that's right. He's not in now. If anything happens to him in prison, anybody comes up to visit him, and I'm on a visit, if you come up to visit your friend, where he was a Republican, when they come out of prison, whatever happens to my son, I'd make it a lot worse than each individual comes up. So I'd give you violence back. I said, prefer that didn't happen, but it's easy to sort it. And uh, I said, people in your community will know me through the door, and uh, I don't make trouble. Give them a credit, I got a call that night. A guy, a friend who knew somebody, and I said, I went, that won't happen no more to your son. But Nancy Gracie gave me a letter, and the letter what had happened was happened to my son in prison. And we went for bail. And we got bail, but I had to go and get money and borrow money, and had to uh, bring it down to court. He, he got bail that day. Police, and the police made it as hard as they could that day, because one of the policemen, <laughs> actually was there, says, how do we know uh Yours, Father Ian McCord. And I says, well, he's have arrested me in the past. You know, it, it don't have anything to do. When Raymond was caught with cannabis, how much cannabis was he caught with? Well, there's a dispute even over that. And uh, what happened was, when he was in bail, we went to the Road Police Station. He says, no, I got a call from the police here uh, to go up and collect my clothes. Will you go with me? Because it wasn't that far. You were in the car. And I said, sir, he said, I don't want to go to the police station on my own. So we went up and up, uh, down the road police station there. And as soon as I went in, I was sitting on the guy called him in their room, nearly facing him that we're sitting. He was in a couple of minutes again. I heard him shout and he jumped up and he opened the door and he came out. They tried to get him to become an informer. So they tried to recruit him. At that stage, did you have any inkling that he was involved with paramilitaries? Oh, I. That there, because he says he, uh, he's talking about Darn Moore. And how did that make you feel, Raymond? Because you'd been fighting these people your whole life, and then your son was mixed up in it. And words real. Told him they were no good. Moore was no good. I'd never met the guy. Right? But he was staying in Raymond's house. Right? And the words, and this was in my house in Savie Street. Raymond didn't get shaky to him. And words got out, and I said, listen, he lived a couple of slices away around your own house. Don't want to see you. He came around the next morning. At the door, you're the key, we're at the door. You know, you look after your sons. Am I talking about it? Yeah, so it says we're nowhere to go in this and you had him this year. But you know, to this day, and I'm not going to tell any lies about it, to this day, 
I don't know the full story about the, the drugs. Wish it did. I don't know. You have to be honest with you. Were the drugs on him the car he was in? Because I dug in there a good bit with contacts I had. And there were some other fellows supposed to be with him. And he didn't go. Halleck and Haggerty supposed to be there. Gary Haggerty, the Supergrass one. And uh, Halleck were supposed to be in the car. And if any of them isn't that incredible, that my son would be arrested and charged with drugs where these other people was there. So who had the drugs? You know, I asked him a question. I should have belonged to and with these drugs. And he turned around and uh, he was afraid to say, every time in my life I see my son afraid to tell me something. And that, that's there and that's the truth. But before he would have said this and he knew if it didn't make something, he would have told me and you know, it would have stored it. It's not anything major like that. And the police after was Raymond's murder never ever came back to talk to me about the drugs. They never came back to talk to me and say, listen, uh, uh, they made the drugs. Was there, supposed to be there. Who had them? What car they were in? This, we never ever found that, that out. So we don't, so I spoke with uh, a person who was in the police, decent cop. And he says, you know, the, uh, the information he had, because he had that, Told me he had reasons, and he was one of Halleck's original original handlers. See, idea was there, and he told me, he says the reason your son was over there now. He was the only one there, wasn't a police informant, so it looked good, and he was ex RAF. That was in the years I ever got to knowing anything relating to the drugs. The police shut it all down and kept it quiet. How long did the drug incident happen before Raymond was murdered? Months. So after the drug incident, and I'm sure you you tried to speak to him and you, you'd raised your concerns about the company that he kept, did you hope that he was going to pull away from? Well, he didn't need to pull away from. This is a great thing about it, in one way. Afterwards, uh, Halle Haggerty and 10 others got arrested and poured it down, attacking an LVF pub. They went with a gun, tried to burn it. It's a pub that Billy Wright supposed to have, the Golden Hang. And there's supposed to have been uh, at least 30 of them went down. The police were aware of what was going to happen, that they were going down. And the police gave these people a eyeball and a free passage down, a clear passage down. From what I heard, somebody had seen them come in the pub, all charging into a pub. A member of the public, local member of the public, rang the police and it, and uh, the police were told not to respond. It's not well, anyway, tied up on it down out of the firearm. So so they caught three cars of them. Just a lot of a lot of cars. So it was like a convoy of cars going down. And the police just ignored it. And there was real tension between the LVF and the UVF at the time. They were all remanded. And they caught me a firearm, arson, members of paramilitary organization. They got three years, eighteen months in prison and the UVF didn't investigate. How did it get? Only got three years. Well, all that there, you know. Shots were fired or something at the pub. Threats and all this here. So he didn't have any dealings with them. So Raymond was pulling away. However, he remained friends with one individual in the UVF. And that individual was arrested and remanded in custody over the bar attack. And Raymond went to visit him. The day he went up to see him. A couple of UVF ones up visiting and one of them gave me a lift up in the car. Well, they were in the car, going to the prison room, coming back. He seen Judas, who told him that uh, UVF were going to give him a punishment soon. It was the drugs. Remember they said to me one time before, 
on the UVF. There's a physical going to shoot me in the leg. I says, that'll be touching you. And uh, I said, if you hear anything at all, you can tell me. He says, I'm going to touch any son of mine, UVF or here or whatever. And Raymond agreed out of fear, because what would the alternative have been? He, he believed that, that well, I, I believe is the only one seen it this night. I'm going to get away neck and that's what we're done with. They won't bar with me. And he went with him in the car afterwards and he, and the murder had bullied off corner. They beat Raymond with concrete blocks and his injuries were so severe he could only be identified through his fingerprints. I can't even begin to imagine, Raymond, how you feel even having to talk about that and thank you for, for doing it because I know how hard it must be to have to relive and go over those things in your head. You know, what what could anything have been different? And Well, you know something? The policy of the RUC, PSNI, was responsible for murder my son and that other victims because the policy that they had was informants, Mark Hallick, Gary Haggerty, and the guy that murdered my son got out in weekend parole, the main murderer of them, got out on Friday and murdered Raymond the next day and went back to jail on Monday. And the police had that information from all their informants. Two detectives went up to interview him in the prison, the maze, and the prison authorities wouldn't let them in. The question, Gary Haggerty admitted at a state briefing, I think it was 2014 roughly, seven years after Raymond's murder, was it? Or that's uh, 17 years after, that he had rang his handlers from the maze prison to say what was going to happen to Raymond. I've seen some of his, his uh, debriefing. He rang to tell him. He was going to be killed. He was in danger. He rang up the special bronze handlers and, and the names of the handlers, and they said they never got the message. Their officers were on 24 hours a day, and our CID cop told them. 24 hours a day, it's manned. It's a recording machine in case somebody maybe out the toilet or something, but it's manned. There's a bed not that. They let my son be murdered. And after that, them being murdered, they covered it up. Over the, over that period of time, it showed the extent of what the UVF wanted and what the police wanted. The UVF have tried to murder me a lot of times. They made a car bomb. Now, that, for a car bomb attack on somebody, it had to be sanctioned by the chief of staff, UVF. UVF says they didn't sanction the murder and all that nonsense. They made a car bomb that blew me up. They tried to kidnap me in Belfast. They arranged to shoot me coming out of the bar. They arranged one day I was at the graveyard and the police came flying in, ordinary cops, and what that was for the UVF intended to shoot me dead at Raymond's grave. The police, numerous times, it came to me. There's a threat on your life. Uh, and here's it. Uh, Lawrence Parmelby's handed me the document and went away. When the police told me my son was murdered, he came to my house. He came in. I had a friend in the house with me. went in the kitchen. And he just says, your son's been, Polly's been found. And I started to shout. And I, said, I, I didn't remember what else I said. Did you know he had been missing at that stage, Raymond? Or no, yeah, it was a, that was a Sunday. They killed him on Saturday night, and it was a better cold night, freezing night. They left his body man there. In the state they left him in. When was the last time he had spoken to him? Wednesday. Wednesday. He uh, wasn't on. Got got look at him. Pale was it? A week after, else days I forget. But it was a Wednesday. I was with him, and uh, it started working on the calmest way. The police told me. And after telling me, as soon as they told me, a minute or two later, they're out of my house. There's none that's here to leave someone here with you or else here. Then you've got to go around and tell your family. You have to tell your sons. You have to tell anyone's mama. One of, one of the hardest bits was, or two, with those, you know, was telling his grandma. 
And all through it, never in my life I've ever asked anybody to do anything for me or support me anything this year, even with trouble with power mummies. I've done it myself but with no support political parties. Not one politician can come near his mummy's house with a coffin sitting. Not one politician came out and condemned a murder. Not one of them even left a sympathy card. This was the leadership of unionist political parties, but they couldn't go to the funeral of a young lad who had a horrific murder. And I tell you, they had a horrific murder. It was a closed coffin. They'd done nothing for us. Not, nothing whatsoever. They talk about their, uh, they're going to their churches on a Sunday. They talk about the, uh, it's against God's wishes. And we see them even, they talk about even things like, People of same sex and relationship. That's against God. Was the murder of my son not against God's wishes too? And they chose to forget about that and all the other murders that these people carried out. Innocent people, innocent. Sean McKenna murder. Halleck was his first murder he admitted. Blaster with a shotgun. Sent me his handlers the next day and told them about the murder, sat in the car crying, and, and they wouldn't charge him. My son should have been alive. That would be our people. But the police weren't allowed to do their job in any way whatsoever. We had no support. My sons had no support. They came after my son going to school, tried to kidnap him. 15, 16 years of age. Is you this know. another of your sons? Yeah, the youngest son was, uh, was only 15. They tried to get him going to school, followed his boss and all. They planned to shoot my house up outside the police station. I found it Haggerty's debriefing. Me and my young son lived there. He lived with me. With me. They were going to shoot the house up. And the police didn't warn us. The same way they didn't warn me. So again, the police played God with Raymond, and they were going to play God with me and my, my, my young son. They tried to get into my house one night at 3 o'clock in the morning. Three gunmen, on moss from UVF. Six doors from the police station, my camera. I didn't wear a moss. I rang the police station three times, 999, at the police the emergency, 999, and the police didn't respond until after the gunman went away. They couldn't get in. Because my big dog kept them out the front, Alsatian. But the police didn't respond. And I hear stories over the years the other people saying, you must have been a paramilitary. And I says, why? Well, says, because you're looking off yourself. I said, well, I had I been in the UDA and my son was murdered? The UDA went up against the UDA. UVF, wasn't it? Well, I had I been in the, in the UVF and UVF members done it and it wasn't sanctioned. They would have been shot there by the organisation. I says, but I'm not going to try and defend myself against these things because people know me from when I was 16 and my hatred towards the paramilitaries. You know, it's well known in the Newton Abbey North Belfast area. No time for them. But the murder of a young fella and for the state to cover it up, and not just the state, both the DUP and the official unionists were complicit in the cover up because the state is silent. Neither me, my sons, or my ex-wife I'll never forget that. We want the same as our families. We want justice. No matter who it leads to, we know we carried it out, you know, and the politicians can come off of their rhetoric. Oh, we didn't murder your son. We're not saying you. We, we agree with that. But you made sure that the people that done it weren't going to be charged and you still continue to do it. And you mean by their lack of action? The lack of words, lack of action, promises made by a very senior unionist politician. Today he's a very senior one. Years ago was well known, but now he's fa- fairly clean. The latter made a promise to name the killers in Westminster for us. From the witnesses, mm-hmm. that never happened. I don't profess to be some angel. I don't do drugs and that involved with crimes. I things that broke a law was defend my family. The only way I know, because one of the police was with my time. 
with some speeds, go to the police, waste their time, and they know it. Houses attacked. So I do it the only way I know. I'd stand up and, and hit them. There was never the balaclavas. Then the politicians, it, it, it's, this is the sort of people they are. And I emphasize the DUP in this. And this was under uh, previous leaders. I met Peter Robbins several times with uh, Ricardo Ramos for their things, and he was always civil to me. And to be honest, uh, Ian Paisley, senior, I'll say this, was no Christian man, because he lied to me. Took me nine years to see him. After him was nine years it took him to have a meeting with him. It's the last two or three minutes that storm and he says, I have to go in the chamber here. The uh, Arling Foster, 10 phone calls to our office in Bell, Stormont and in the skill and our staff were real, really good to me. Really nice people. And uh, you can imagine a wee lady on, on the other end of the phone, it sounded like a wee country church woman who would put the best self out if you go to our house, you know. They were so nice to me. And all I wanted was for her to meet me and my ex-wife over Raymond's morning. Because somewhere else, she was going up meeting up a shag, meeting UDA ones. She got photos taken all in our DUP members are with the gangsters, UDA people in a UDA office in the shag. She wouldn't even return a phone call. She wasn't even recognising Raymond was dead. And she calls herself a Christian. Just didn't want to know. Didn't want to know us in any way whatsoever. I remember getting brought to court the team over for doing the double and I pleaded guilty and I actually pleaded some, some charges which I wasn't guilty of just to get the case done I just went in and out and people in the DUP made a statement that day and gave it to the press people in court, in, in court for doing the double they never made a statement about one of my son's murder and this is because I'm from a unionist community and I dare to, uh, to speak out and tell the truth of what the parties how the party have ill-treated victims particularly within their own community. I can't begin to imagine what it's like to lose a child in those circumstances and then to feel like you've been ignored, that you're getting no help. How have you coped, Raymond, with that? I will not beat me. And people can turn around and say, and they're nice compliments, the son be proud of you. I'm not doing this for a nice son be proud of me. Because if it was me with dead, Raymond would be doing the same thing. Uh, along with his brothers. I cope with it simply because I got enough justice for my son. The state would love me to give up. UVF would love me to give up. Raymond's murder. And I, I, I have to say this. Right? It was clear. My son's murder was the downfall of the UVF. It destroyed the UVF and North Belfast, the killing squad. All those people are all split up because we're all exposed. The fell out shootings took place among them. But they also expose it. The leadership in the shag with chief of staff as a long-term state agent pulled out the MI5. So my son's murder has brought down the UVF. And I'll say this, and the UVF will not beat my family. You said yourself, Raymond, that you met with the UVF after Raymond's murder. I mean, that must have been a, a tremendously hard thing to do. Were you given a reason as to why he was murdered? They denied it. Broke a word. I, I named him. Killers then. A senior man who's dead, I Norman Sayers, who knew me from the past because they sent for me one time to UVF to want to speak to me because uh, a couple of men in a pub, the three of them, four of them, and they had a young lad. So I put them out and hit them and lifted their hands to me, they could hurt. And they went crying. Four men went crying. Thugs. And they wanted to speak to me. Norman, I went and went bar, but I, I seen them. And he was straight with me. He says, What happened? I told him. It's not this year, 
you can't do it. He says, come in the place, they behave, they don't behave, and they lift their hand. This is what happens. They had a wee 18 year old lad in the toilet, give him a beating. But the guy says to me, well, I want to tell you, I wanted to shoot them. I was going to put, I put it two in their heads. He says, but it's taken out of my hands. They said they were having an inquiry, and I went and met these three guys. And they, and they sank my headquarters in the Eagle. And I parked just down the street from it. Never in my life. When I went up the stairs to it, it was a wee room, and Sayers was there, and he says, you go in there. And I said, you got in it? He says, no, and I went in. There's three hooded men. And my balaclava was in the yeah, eyes, the mouth cut. And one of them, the mouth was cut out, and he had a wee thin moustache. In East Belfast, UVF, man. He lives in East Belfast, the Craigie estate, but he belonged to Shankill. At that time, he was number two to an agent who set me up to be murdered in the John Hewitt bar one time. Wanted to meet me there. Wasn't right. Murder squad, two guys came in. I wasn't there. They went there, sheets of paper and the details writing down with them. Now or two. And they really got this. I said, well, you just need to look into it. These people murdered my son. David Irvine spoke to me and all. He lied to me. He covered it up. I listened to these things about Irvine. And I asked people, tell me one one thing you ever done for unionism and victims. I, I tell you one thing. He helped cover up the murders, his own reasons for it. And you can, you can be sure it was financial reasons. Truth has to be told through these people. I came out of the place in the way out of the mean, when you go out on the main road again, don't be looking back. You know, it's really, what, what a thing to say. No going out. So I went down the steps, opened the door, and I went outside. There's a couple of guys were standing there. So I was walking down. The car was just down a wee bit. And I happened to turn around. There was one coming out. Had a clap and all clothes on. It was a sad person from the Craigie estate. Real rat. And in no time, the police was out in the house in a short time. That, within hours of three days, was a warning. There was an attack being planned on it by the last paramilitaries. What the hindsight's the wonderful thing. But what it was, the meeting wasn't an inquiry. The help Raymond's murder. Investigation. The meeting was about the UVF find out how much I knew about it. How much did you know? Practically everything. And that put an even bigger target on your back. Yeah, but it's amazing. It shows you this big brave organization that has up ones for God and all starts from it's for money on her sales. It should be on her their pads because that's what they it's all about. They were determined to keep me quiet. The only way they could do it was to kill me. And it came out at Haggerty Steve Braven. He's a big tough guy. Patriots, God's army. When they planned to shoot my house up to kill me. And it's not me saying this. It's Gary Haggerty saying that it's Steve Braven. He says on it after it was decided their bosses and a unit was going to do it, go to the shooting. They couldn't get anybody to do it. They were scared. And they were scared in case they missed. Because they knew what they were coming back or they were going to sit in the house. How long was this after your son was murdered? Uh, he was murdered in November 97, so it was 98, I think it was. Did you ever feel scared, Raymond? I know you've said you don't fear these people, but, you know, in your lowest and darkest moments, did you not fear for your life? No. What could, what could they do that they didn't do the other one? You know, what they even resorted to? Three bars in Belfast. I would have went and had a drink. Two bars in the club, the old uh, sports club. And I drank the Monaco bar for years. People knew where to find me on a Saturday. Raymond would, you know, would come in there, see me and company all mixed. And also the John Hewitt. UVF from the pubs and told them that it served me their staff would be shot there. 
I remember getting to the sports club one Saturday. I mean, another one's would come in the meters like five or six every Saturday, and the chairman called me to say in the room. Should you call? I, I, I knew what was going to be said. I turned around and I says, "Well, well, we got a call that it was survey. They're going to shoot our staff." I said, "Understand?" I says, "I'll leave. I'll get my mate." He says, "No." He says, "Paramilitaries don't tell us who can come in. This is a mixed club. You come in here with your friends. No trouble. It all the time. I think they've been coming here a few years. The Monaco Bar. I spoke with the uh, the owner of the bar. Yeah, a good man. But they are nice. You don't want me to come in it. I honestly says no. Same attitude. The John Hewitt. Again, the John Hewitt went up to Shagel and seen David Early. This is no joke. And says, I called the bar at uh, the server, the server in McCord. This, the staff will be shot. Early spoke with UVF and says, listen, the staff's okay. Nothing's going to happen, but McCord's different. That's a real deal at Early. People have to know that. The real Irvine, the UVF man, who didn't believe in what he's trying to say on the TV. Believe me. So that's where that stays. And you know something? For me on a personal level, I'm glad one way it does stay because it shows I've been telling the truth. So to this day, you're still under threat from the UVF? Yep. And I'll tell you, yeah. And people think it's bravado or being John Wayne. Go and help the man that tries it and if he misses. And I'll say it, he may leave the country. Because I, I won't let it go, the same as young Raymond's case. And talking about the campaign for Raymond, you have been a constant voice for victims and speaking out against paramilitaries. You've been involved in so much in trying to change communities here, mostly Protestant, Unionist, Loyalist communities that are still under the control and coercion of Loyalist paramilitaries. Not all, but some. Tell me about the report that was written by Nilo Alone, the police ombudsman, that basically lifted the lid on the levels of collusion within Loyalist paramilitaries. It was Operation Ballas. You call it, anyone wants, you go in the ombudsman's office and get a copy of it. Simple. But it states, pours by that thick, not just young Raymond's order, but all murders, sectarian murders, and plus murders within Unis community. It states there was collusion. And young Raymond's murder and other murders. Raymond's case was the first case in struggles. The collusion was proven. It's a groundbreaking thing. Very embarrassing for the police government. Very embarrassing for the police. Very embarrassing for the EVF. Because it said what I had been saying. And what niceness people have been saying for years. It was collusion. The EVF upon his paramilitaries. The IEC, PSNI. You'll approve it. What I was saying. The only debate you can have on it. Who was worse, the IUC or the UVF? To toss a coin. You see, the morning of the report was in uh, the Storm Hotel. I was in the building early that morning, and uh, it was there. I intend to read it. Let's see it. Newland made sure there'd be no leaks in it. People didn't know this. Through Newland, the police picked me up at my house because it was believed there was going to be an attack on me. Be shot. UVF responded to shoot me. So Newland pushed it too, and the police had to come to my house. Picked me up and my family were all given police protection to get to uh, the hotel. No unionist politicians on it. Don't keep the storm. When you read about your own son's murder and the investigation into it, were you shocked? Well, you know, for our family, nothing could really shock us relating between the paramilitaries and the police. Because I've been saying for years, the police were so corrupt. Two good cops, they spoke with us privately, weren't allowed to do their job. What did the report say? About Raymond's murder. They refer to Mon, uh, Mon D, he, uh, about uh, 
weekend prison, no way to press the weekend. But uh, refer to Hannig and Haggerty, two leaders, to talk about a lot of our shootings and murders over the years. My complaint was upheld. The only one was, and I says, that no one had been arrested and charged. And it says people had been arrested. But I, when I was referring to when people get arrested, they get charged. No, some serious like that. Because there's so many informants. They never, all the details. You know, if I can get it through different people, you think we all the reasons what they were getting? Everything. But the report, quite clear, Raymond McCord would have been alive only for collusion. No one has ever been convicted of Raymond's murder. No, no one has been charged. And you would have think with collusion proven that a policeman would be charged. No. A policeman gets charged, it's a paper trail end up, hurry up a ladder, did it go? And after they get to the top table, and now you see, does the paper trail end continue to demonstrate it does. Make no mistake about it. Because the money to pay these people didn't come from Northern Ireland budget. It came from London. When you were reading how protected the likes of Mark Haddock, Gary Hegarty was, that should have shocked you. No one could have believed, because you didn't believe when I first told you about those stories I walked into the office. It's too far, like, you know. And I kept saying, because you knew about it, had they asked me, how did you get this information? And I says, doesn't make any difference where I got it, you know. She had to ask me a question, simply, you know, she wasn't being nasty or rude to me. I was able to, over the years, see certain documents, secret sensitive documents, which revealed lies that the police had told the other families. Evans wasn't the only one to cover it up on, by any means. But people talk about the informers now, and, and they have a different sort of mindset. We talk about senior people within republicanism, senior people within loyalism, and people years ago wouldn't have believed that. People who probably hold big senior positions within these sort of organisations would never believe that they were informants. But more and more is coming out, and myself and other people talk about it sometimes. And we say, when we're dead and gone, no doubt in years to come, more names will come out because these people will be dead by then. It'll be an embarrassment to tell uh, uh, the powers that be. I, I was arrested in the graveyard at a place and spent three days in Armagh. Oryx, the interrogation centre, they tried to skirmish, especially in the police, and they were supposed to shoot me dead in the, the graveyard. Why were you arrested? They, they arrested me on the Special Powers Act or something like that, or Terrorism Act, which I didn't even understand. I thought you had to be a paramilitary out there. And uh, they gave me a rough time on the arrest. These guys at a Special Patrol Group headquarters from Castle Ray arrested me and uh, threw me to the ground in plastic ties on, on my wrist and uh, put a rifle to my head when I was on the ground. And then um, what had happened, people said, exaggerating, let me tell you, I think I'm saying here, it's the truth. But there was a meeting took place in police headquarters the morning after my arrest. It was a Monday. I was arrested. And on Tuesday, there was a meeting in police headquarters. And a very senior police officer, obviously can't name it because of label, but a very senior police officer asked what went wrong. We're supposed to shoot me, and a gun would have been found. And what happened was an elderly man in the graveyard. They didn't see and shoot over something. I didn't see him. I heard a voice, and uh, I was lifted. And it brought me out. It was my car and another car. A fellow I was meeting, who told me he was under threat from the UVF. He helped to set me up, and it was the church minister sent them to me. He said, "There's a fellow that threat from a UVF with." Uh, would you meet in my face? I said, certainly. Called him a house to see me, and then he rang me again. He asked to meet him at this place, and he says, follow me. 
and we went to crazy art and we're talking to crazy art. This year, and like, next minute, we only started to talk. The police came out from him. Then it, it took him away, and then it kept me there. I goes to get up. I said, getting up, starting to rain, to cramp my legs. And I said, I'm get up. Yeah, I'm getting up with cramp. The cop says, you get off. I'm not going to have to this. was a rifle. Dragged me up, and uh, we take me out. And the way I, I car sit there, and the other man's cars are. And I said, what's that bag there? I said, I don't know. He says, what is it? You must know. I said, why would I know? That's my car there. So they, uh, they took me away, took me in the back of it, kept my then had my cons like this, and the, the arm bonds, plastic ties on it. So certainly it's actually stopped my hands. I was around, it went numb. Went all the way to the arm out. It wasn't a word spoke. And they brought me in, and it, it sat me about four hours or so, Clothes was that t-shirt and that. The forensic people came. The guy came down from Dara. He, he was dead on fella. They'd done these forensic tests, swabs, my hands, my, my eyebrows and all this. And I said, what's this for? He says, I see if there's any uh, uh, explosives or gunpowder or something. Says, it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm not having I said, I'm not a paramilitary. The uh, police is trying to scare me. The son was murdered. The guy was no sound. He says, listen, mate, 
this major, I helped with this major, all this, I understand that. So after he left, it was about 11 o'clock at night, and uh, I'm sitting in the, in the room. I'll tell him that was before he left, before he came, that's what it was. And this guy was sitting there, at a big table me in the room, and the door was left open. And he asked for water. And he gave me a plastic cup, and I'm going to put that much water on So they put down the boot, was giving water. Right? They played, they play many games. So I'm looking at the guy, and I says, him, uh, you just fell a threat me up in the graveyard. That put the rifle to me, as I ground. He knocked me down, my rifle got up and all. He's cursing away at me. He just, he never spoke, he looked at me. So they had the cuffs off me, the plastic ties. So I got up, and he says, knock me down now. And he ran out of cell. They were all out of the room. Next when he came in, this guy who was in charge, a ginger sonny hair fella, he said, it's very simple McCord, sit in the chair. He said, you get knocked down in the chair. Drag me, you know. I looked down laughing at him. He got another couple of boys to come in, in the room. I sat down, he says, another sounds out of The plastic tags are on again. I got out a couple of days. It was on Monday, Tuesday. I got out on Wednesday. What were they questioning you on? What, what what was the accusation? You know, it was amazing. The uh, it says uh, you've bomb making equipment or something. Try to something. I says bomb making equipment. I don't answer. And he says you're ready to uh, clear office. There's clothes nobody in the house searching. I was going on holidays on Wednesday, Cyprus. So I went into town Monday morning. I bought t-shirts and they were a chair. Had them all sat on the way they was in it. And I, I turned around and uh, my passport was sitting there, getting everything out of, uh, all out now. And uh, I, I says, I have a holiday booked. I'm going to wait on Wednesday to Cyprus. You know, and you're going to do something and go away. I just do what? I had a cupboard in the house and it was out of some furniture place and you build it, you see. And the house I'd in before, I took a shower out of it. It's not too sure I brought it with me. The pipe is as thick as your finger. Right? It says we get we get uh interpreted that as uh ball making stuff. I said the thickness of my finger. Uh, we thin pipe, fifteen mil pipe. And you've glue on it. I said that's to put the unit guy, you see it. That's the tag was explaining this to me in the other way. That, that, that these are ones. And I says, but if you see there's a wee wooden dials goes to blah and it's here and all they are. But he wasn't aware of this. Right. This was some for me given to him. And I said, you know, the uh Paul <laughs> they turned around. And he says, What was the pipe that I paid for? I said, well, you see it, there's a shower there, as the pipe comes down, it's only fifteen mils thin pipe. It's says here. What be you know, the thickness of finger and the length. I says, go to the previous house, you'll see it and all. But anyway, I get that Monday night. Tuesday and Wednesday, and there was a decent cop in in our man. And he came into my into my cell, and he seen me. He says, "You know, he was a Christian man." He actually attended see him. Turns out my sister Jane. Could he say to me? All sorts of must fail on me. Built up on me. He says, "You know, you shouldn't be in here, Miss McCord." I says, "You know what?" And he, and he expressed some of the things that told me over oh, my son's murder. So I'm very sorry about having your son, these people, to be in prison at June. And anyway, I got out in Wednesday, and a, a few weeks later, 
as out walking the dog, and this unmarked car followed me and looked at it, and I knew looking at them, there were police officers just looked at them, just looked like police officers are soldiers, and they uh, come alongside me and just had a glance at me and went on up at and they looked just too long at me. But I turned around and uh, walking my dog, a big estate car drove up, blanked out, and the guy who got out was the big nasty cat, the big tall guy from Goff. He got out, and another guy got out, and he says to me, uh, speak to you. And uh, he was out always trying to say that. There was a fellow walking his dog. This is what he want. Uh, your name? I just want my name. You rest at me, are we? He says, I want your name. I say, I just don't care what you want. And I get that. But the dog I had was in the Kita. He says, somebody have to arrest me, won't you? There was no way you going to arrest me, my right, dog. So this is no joke. Just trying to give me a hard time, person. And they asked our fellows, <laughs> I was a rammer. <laughs> the guy gave his name as Mickey Mouse. Isn't it? Didn't want fella. He says, You always read my name and you arrest me or we in the graveyard. You know what that cop said to me? Talk about the justice system. Stay at the graveyards. What did he mean by that? A warning. That's why I warned. The hint was I interpreted as things can happen to you in graveyards. You you've talked about so much there of prior to to Raymond's murder and after and you have not had an easy life, but you have tried to make other people's lives easier through your campaign work. I don't even know where to begin with that, Raymond, but you since since Raymond's murder, you've been outspoken. You've been involved in many cross-community groups. You campaigned against Brexit. And to this day, you, you continue that type of work. Why do you do it for? Believe it, people's being betrayed by the uh, political people in the country. And most of all, you know, it's a selfish thing. I want justice for my son. I have always believed that uh, I've never had uh, political beliefs. I've no interest in religion. And uh, people, it's much of someone, they're very simple. have grandchildren, have friends, have relatives, and have health problems. And if anyone had to come to get me or a family member, I'm not asking the, the homeless driver, is he a, a Protestant or Catholic? I'm not going to face where do you live. If I get took to a hospital, I've been in a hospital a lot over the years. No members of my family. I don't care why uh, the doctor or the nurse is black or white or what, what colour or what religion. or Because it doesn't come into it, you know. And as I'm saying, people over the years, our political people have, have hyped it up. When you're working with people and victims and people that work with a lot of Families or sons have been under threat from paramilitaries, both loyalists and Republican. And if it would ask me, could I get the threats removed? That's amazing. They, they, uh, after all this time, probably every family that asked me to help them, they help their sons so that they'll be shot or he kept or even something worse. The threats were always lifted, and yet no threats ever lifted me. I've seen UVF and UDA and Republican organizations. People under threat, and it wasn't that hard to get them lifted. To be honest with you, the best way you can get them lifted is that wants to speak to you, and they said if anything happens to this young fella, seriously, and you're he's killed, the next time you see me, it'll be with a TV camera at your door. And it's amazing how that works. You're not being brave; you're being truthful. Tell them I don't see our family suffering the way mine did, or their son being murdered, and maybe the realizing that most of them 
involving antisocial behaviour or low level druggies. They don't deserve to be shot dead or getting their knees play off. No, because of it. Put them in prison, you know, put them in prison. And hopefully when they're in prison, they know they're not going to go back to it. Give them an opportunity. But you know, when you're working with all those people, you don't see it as a, you're not a special person. You're putting their case forward because they're frightened. And it works. Unfortunately, in Northern Ireland, there's people don't want it to work. Raymond, I've asked this question before to many people who've come on this podcast whose lives have been affected, destroyed, devastated by paramilitaries because they still exist over 20 years since the Good Friday Agreement. How do you get rid of paramilitaries? First of all, you treat them for what they are, criminals. That's all they are. The Good Friday Agreement will be 25 years old next year and paramilitaries are still there. So treat them for what they are. They're criminals. They're not loyalists. Also, make it quite clear to them that uh, they can't hide under uh, paramilitary guys, clothes, and put them in prison. Uh, no such thing as paramilitary wings. But go off them and forget that their leaders are informants and show the people. Uh, don't worry what, what, what the politician thinks. And another thing which it, the, the need to do, and I've called upon several times, they get funding from Stormont, they get funding from the EU, Dublin, and I remember meeting the Good Friday Agreement at Dublin a few months ago, the selling a few other people from Belfast. And again, people that went down were for both communities. And I called them to stop all funding the old UVF linked uh, organisations and projects after what happened to Simon Coveney. As UVF were behind it. So stop all the funding. So you imagine if all the funding stopped today, don't give them a week's notice, just stop it. That they always take us to court, take them to court or whatever, right? And I ended up turning around and saying, listen, a few people lose their jobs, say them, we didn't cost you your jobs, we sent the funding. See the people doing the drugs, the beatings, the extortion, they cost you your jobs. Our politicians, and we came up, said earlier, going up the shaggle, the DUP, senior people at the DUP getting their photos taken with certain individuals, they're giving them credibility. You earn credible, it doesn't really harm it to you. And these people will never earn it. Or have it. 